This episode of Tour Denver is brought to you in collaboration with Sunrise Robot. Be sure to visit sunriserobot.net and discover other great podcasts about the arts, technology, and culture. Tour Denver is a storytelling event created by Amber Blaze, Derek Mund, and me, Michael Edwards. Hi, I'm Amber Blaze. Tour events take place live at venues around Denver, Colorado. Each night, a theme is chosen and three curated storytellers share their tales. In addition to the three chosen raconteurs, audience members have an opportunity to sign up and tell their own stories. All of these stories are told without any written notes, with each storyteller living in the moment with the audience. See the full schedule of upcoming raconteur events and listen to other episodes at raconteurdenver.com. This raconteur event took place at Carbon Beverage Cafe in Denver. Our topic this evening was first inebriation. Brian Foley is the author of The Constitution, a book of poetry. He was born and raised in Massachusetts and is currently a doctoral candidate at the University of Denver. Let's hear Brian's story of his first inebriation. This is an interesting concept, first inebriation, because most of them are anecdotal, right? And anecdotes kind of have like a temporal space of like blips. Uh, I'm from Boston, as Derek said, and mostly it's like, ah, dude, I got so fucked up last night, kid. What'd you do? Ah, dude. And that's it. That's the story, right? Um, I have something a little longer. It was hard to reach back into this type of space. So I'm going to give you what I have. So I'm flying over the Atlantic Ocean, 38,000 feet above the Atlantic and on my way to Germany. I'm 16, and I'm on my second bottle of Beck's beer, looking through the green neck of the bottle, and my girlfriend, Leah, is across the aisle, cleaning the teeth with her tongue of a guy named Dick. And I don't really understand what's happened. So I turn my attention away from them, and I look at the in-flight movie. And the movie is The Edge starring Anthony Hopkins and Alec Baldwin. And just at that moment, they are also on a plane flying over foreign territory. Next thing you know, something goes wrong, their plane crashes, and they are now trying to survive through the Alaskan wilderness with a Kodiak bear chasing them. And just at that moment, my Freudian death drive kicks in, and I would give anything to switch places with them from the short truth that I'm actually having to deal with at that moment. Three weeks earlier, I am parked in a seafood parking lot in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, very dark and unlit, practicing kissing with my girlfriend, Leah. Now, Leah is very beautiful. She's two years my senior. She had a black bob haircut, kind of had that baby doll thing going on with the hair clips. She had big planet blue eyes and kind of had large eyelids that draped over them, right? So she always looked sleepy. And she had like a phone sex operator vi- voice. Or what I imagine is a phone sex operator voice, because every time I would call 1-800-HOT-SLUT, I'd hang up after I got to the menu, because I'd be too afraid they would show up on my parents' billing. So she had a phone sex operator voice. But for all those amazing things she had, she was a terrible goddamn kisser. It was kind of like that movie Tremors where the worm would crush up out of the earth and try to swallow the face whole of the person. It was 
intimidating to say the least. So we're in the back seat of Leah's car in Orleans, Massachusetts, practicing our kissing among the trash that happens in a teenager's car. And at one point she comes up for breath and kind of has a revelatory look in her eye. And she pulls back and she says, oh no. I say, what? She says, I'm going away. Like, what? What do you mean you're going away? She says, I'm going to Germany. And right then I know what that means. That means the German exchange program of NASA Regional High School. Better known for the people of my regional high school as a three-week bacchanalia in central Germany that involved mostly binge drinking and heavy petting. So it was mostly, it was a three-week journey away from normal livelihood, but in teenage space-time continuum, three weeks is as good as three years. So I had a panic, and she could see it in my eyes. So she looked at me and she said, you should come. And I thought, yeah. I should come. But the problem was my family didn't have any money, right? We were pretty modest folk. I wore thrift store clothing. I nibbled on chicken fingers for dinner, mostly stayed in my yard. And while my family didn't have any money, my aunt did. So over the next week, I turned towards my parents with a grand elocution, towards my grand illusion of going to Germany saying things about our possible Bavarian heritage we had to anoint. I talked about the want of smelling German body odor to explore ghosts in German castles. All things very important to me, all of a sudden. I didn't know about Germany, I didn't give a shit. But it was very important. And eventually they relented. And they pushed toward my aunt, who then consented. So then I had my ticket to Germany. And I had my ticket to keeping my girlfriend. I was ecstatic, or possibly just very horny. But for three weeks, I was gonna be a horny boy in Germany. So the day before the trip, this is in February, the day before the trip, Leah comes over as she was wont to do, picks me up in her Volvo, we go driving towards another parking lot. And this time, we don't get in the back seat. She wants to talk. This is boring, we need to break up. Like, what? No! She said, all we do is watch movies. And so I go through the motions of defending myself, that movies are better than people. And then I reach deep into my mouth memory, trying to find like that, and grasp that perfect thing you say to a person to make them stay. So I look deep into her eyes and I say, you make me want to be a better man. She's like, that's from As Good As It Gets with Jack Nicholson. That movie sucks. And she was right. And just like that, it was over. So a day later, I'm back on the plane. It's a Lufthansa. And if you're on Lufthansa, and you're making your way to Germany, and you're 16 years old, you can have a goddamn beer. Now, I was not a person who took to drinking. I had some before, but mostly I just never really got into it. I hung out with punks and more important than the impulse of drinking was the contrarian aspect I held towards my peers. And they like drinking, so fuck them. I like parking lots and loneliness. <laughs> but this was different. More important than just my contrarianism 
and this beer that I've now had was this sense of a well-developed sense of caution. You guys know what I'm talking about? Caution. When I was growing up, my mom had one maxim she used to say to me. Everybody has one. My mom had this one. And this was the fearful symmetry that conducted my entire life. Every time before I was about to go out and play, she'd take me inside and say, now remember, laughing turns to crying. Think of it. Laughing turns to crying. That was my whole worldview. Later, in my 30s, when I would eventually tell this to my therapist, I'd watch as her eyes would bulge. And she'd basically have a Freudian orgasm right there at the implications of that sentiment. So I was a very cautious kid. I played in my yard. I fidgeted through the hours. I take my food and separate it on the plate so nothing touched. I was very fearful and always worried. And I didn't really have anything to worry about. It was fine. And I was weird about getting in trouble. But I don't know what trouble was. But worrying was the place I felt most comfortable, right? But that wasn't working out for me anymore. Through the green neck of my bottle, I'm watching my girlfriend make out with a guy who had no caution. His name was Dick, but his real name was Brandon. And Brandon was the town drummer. He played drums for all the punk bands, and Brandon didn't give a shit. He could do anything he wanted. And as you all know, drummers are a species that are dangerous people. I bet some women and, and, and children here have dated drummers, and, and you know they're awful. They're awful people. They don't give a shit about anybody. But at that moment, I realized I need to be more like Dick, also Brandon. I needed to have like a conscious uncoupling like Gwyneth and Chris Martin and uncouple from my, con my, 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 my sense of caution. So that moment I decided I'm getting rid of this part of me. And just as I decided, I passed out from drinking. When I woke up, the plane had landed and I was in Germany hearing the barking accents of Germans who were telling me we were there. And Germans, they always sound aloof and pissed no matter what they do. And at the moment, I was aloof and pissed, and I really wanted something different. So from the plane, they took me and my American cohorts to the school to meet our host families. And when we got there, we kind of faced off with each other, sweaty and awkward. And I got paired off with this young, blonde, blue-eyed boy, of course, named Martin Walroff. And Martin was a joy. He was a beautiful, nice man, nice guy. But when we got there, we're very awkward. We're teens, man. So he comes up to me and he says, Hello. It's very nice to meet you. And then there was a long pause, and I'll never forget this. Is there anything true I tell you tonight? This is the truth. There was a long pause, and when he looked back up at me, he looked and said, um, Hitler was a crazy man. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that shit. So I looked at him, and I said, I'm sorry about slavery. <laughs> and now that we've apologized for our country's respective crimes, it was time to move on to the non-cautious aspect that I wanted. So Martin took me to his family's house, and they prepared me a nice dinner of this steaming gray pile of tripe-like slop. 
I didn't ask what it was. Now, I'm normally, as I said, a kid of chinkin' fingers. I was very finicky, as they used to call it. But I dove right in, I ate the whole damn thing. And they were very surprised. So from there, we went to the bar, the first bar I ever been in, a German bar. With my little dumb body, I ingested every apple, I was apple corn, vice beer, and half a Weissen I could take. At that moment, I remember the Doors LA Woman was playing. And I fucking hate the Doors. I hated them then, I hate them now. But then, when I heard, I was like, yes! That's what I want. I want an LA woman. I want a revelatory experience of total dumb infant revelry. And I kind of got it. That night, I had my own door. I was behind, puking into the toilet, revisiting the tripe. And Martin's parents were behind the other side, laughing at me. <laughs> so I was a dumb American. But the cool thing was, I wasn't in trouble. I wasn't worried about being cautious. I had a good sense of being safe, even though I was sweaty, drunk, and <laughs> puking. Over the next few days of being in Germany, things changed a good bit. I met a couple Americans who took sympathy on me because of my girlfriend's situation named Kristen and Sam. And Kristen was an interesting looking person. She kind of looked like when Americans sketch aliens after an abduction, you know, like big eyes and like no jaw. She kind of looked like a sexy guppy with Goldilocks hair. And Sam had a propensity for scratchy voice and yelping. And they were wonderful people. And from them, I learned to smoke Lucky Strikes you could buy on the street. And I took those Lucky Strikes to the discotheque, which I never involved in dancing. I like guitars, man. I never did 4-4 on the floor. But I went to the discotheque. I drank a ton of uh, uh, was it, uh, more apple corn, probably. I drank apple corn, which is delicious, if you don't know. And I took off my shirt, I learned to dance on the floor, I bought $100 worth of roses, I distributed them to all the people there, and I remember we're getting down real heavy to around the world by Daft Punk. A couple days later, we took an American trip, all the American kids do their thing, and I went to an American trip, went to Amsterdam. As you can imagine what Amsterdam was like, I had my first joint. And it's just like the joints we have in Denver, it comes in a vial, like a gross potion. I don't remember how, I, how it all went down, but I do remember getting conscious again Basically, somewhere deep in the heart of the red light district, looking up the stairs at a dragon. These long stone stairs, surrounded by a, door, a neon light red door frame. And inside that door frame were the most unpenetrable eyes of a challenging stair I've ever seen. But I had no caution. So I walked up the stairs, I walked up to the door frame, I knocked, and that's when I met Bridget. And I didn't want sex. I wanted to go home. And Bridget took my hand and she led me back to my hostel. It's very nice. So the last week of the trip coincided with Carnival. Now many countries have a Carnival. Germany, it's a lot like America's uh, Irish Day, right? St. Patrick's Day. No one knows what the fuck it's about, but you just get hammered. And they do that for a week. They drink so much. And they don't eat anything. They only eat these like balls of dough. So they, they can just keep drinking more and it just sucks it all up. And everyone's just pissing and shitting themselves with pagan parades and everything going on. It was great. On the last day of Carnival, I went with Kristen and her host family to Belgium. It's not far. They can do this in Europe. They just go to different countries. So I went to Belgium because Kristen's host family was not very kind. They didn't talk a lot. They weren't talkers. So I went with her. And I remember we went to this big house on a hill. 
I was very mid-century modern, had shag carpeting, weird on the walls, low furniture. They sat us in the corner and the adults went off and got drunk. We two sat there and got drunk. And they were looking at us with skepticism. About an hour later, they came over with a pile of white sheets. And one man said to me, you put this on. So I did. I did what he said. I put on the white sheet. And then he says to me, now you cut eye holes. So I cut some eye holes. And when I did, I could see Kristen. She was wearing the same thing. And I looked around. There, Everybody's wearing white sheets with eye holes. We look like a goddamn Ku Klux Klan rally. The next thing I know, they pile us all into a car and we're at a Belgian city. It must be 2,000 years old. It's surrounded, it's a city that surrounds a castle. It was terrifying looking. And my mother's head voice comes back in my head. Laughing turns to crying. (laughs) Laughing turns to crying. And just as I'm thinking about this, we pull up, we get out. I'm surrounded by 2,000 drunk Germans and Belgians dressed in white sheets, holding torches. I don't know what's waiting for me. If it's like a pagan holiday, it's a witch ceremony, if it's a wicker man, if Nick Cage is gonna appear. It could be, I don't know. But they line us up on the street and we all hold hands and everyone's so goddamn drunk. So we're all zigzagging, three and three and three. And we start promenading down the street, singing weird songs. And on the top of every promenade group is someone holding a bright light torch that's just shedding fire. And we're all dressed in our white sheets. The thing is you had to hold the torch. Everybody had to hold the damn torch. I was so terrified. And my mother's voice was just ringing in my ears. Eventually my turn came and I was extremely fearful, but I literally held the damn torch. I promenaded down the street until the very end where it ended in a weird Belgian dance party, which if you've never been, it's great. (laughs) About two days later, I was heading back home to America. I hadn't seen Leah almost the entire trip. I saw her on the plane and she was sitting alone. Brandon was over there. And I asked her, hey man, what's, uh, what's going on? When she said, you know, Germany kind of in a bus. She spent a lot of time with Brandon and uh, he eventually found another girl and he'd been a real dick. <laughs> I took that, I went back to my seat, I ordered a beer and I ordered another beer and another and another. It's probably more drunk than I've ever damn been. But ever since then, I've never again, ever been drunk on caution. Thank you. If you enjoyed this story and live in Denver, join us at the Preservery on September 14th for our next Tour event with the topic of first adulting. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tour Denver. Here's a reminder to visit RacontourDenver.com, where you can find upcoming events, speaker bios, podcasts, and more. This podcast was recorded and edited by Michael Edwards of Sunrise Robot. Visit SunriseRobot.net and discover other great podcasts about the arts, technology, and culture.